Hello there. You're listening to the Holy Week podcast series from the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. From the triumphal entry to the Last Supper to the cross to the empty tomb, we invite you to enter into the most significant week in the history of the world. May this week be filled with prayer and reflection as we consider these significant scriptures. Christ has come. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Where do you go after betrayal? The long, dark road of Lent can be a daunting journey, most especially this final week called Holy Week. Gritty, realistic stories of armed mobs, arrest, torture, perjury, unjust ruling, death, and burial. Kind of feels like we're talking about 2020 and 2021 so far. And today, we added this troubling list, Betrayal. One of my favorite writers, Richard Rohr, says, The more love and hope you have invested in another person, the deeper the pain of betrayal is. It's so true. If I had to guess, most of you listening have experienced deep pain caused by a friend, maybe even someone in your own family. And right now, in our world, entire groups of people are experiencing it on a daily basis. African Americans have felt betrayed by police and a justice system that promises to protect and serve justly. Asian Americans have felt betrayed by their neighbors for maligning them with the spread of COVID. Betrayal is such a powerful action that can damage not only relationships, but also ourselves, leaving us hesitant to trust or refusing to be vulnerable or to love again. Where do you go after betrayal? In today's text from John 13, Jesus shares his final moments with his closest companions. He begins by washing their feet and urging them to do the same. For I have given you an example. You should do just as I have done for you, Jesus tells them. And then Jesus becomes troubled in spirit. He knows what lies ahead at the end of this day and to the next. And it all starts with a betrayal from a friend. Jesus announces his impending fate while sharing the Passover meal, saying that one of them around the table will be responsible for his death. The beloved disciple, possibly John, asked a question that likely everyone in the room is thinking. Who is it? We already know the answer. It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread after I I have dipped it in the dish, Jesus says, and proceeds to do just that with Judas. Once Judas breaks bread with Jesus, the agent of darkness consumes him, and he leaves into the long, dark night to fulfill his plan. Telling us, quote, it was night at the end of verse 30 is not some throwaway line John gives us to establish the time of day. Rather, he uses it to distinguish what kingdom Judas is serving. Judas has become one of those who walks by night and stumbles because the light is not in him. It's always easier to condemn Judas than to examine our own lives where darkness and betrayal live. We seem to forget that while Judas' betrayal is tonight, Peter's is next. In fact, in the next 24 hours, his 12 closest companions either deny, betray, or abandon the one they call friend and teacher. More than 2,000 years later, this is true of me, of you, of us. How often have we broken bread with Jesus only then to betray his love out of ambition, greed, or 
anger for our own personal gain? Where do you go after betrayal? For Judas, the answer to that question was death. While Jesus hung on a tree, Judas bought land from his act of betrayal and hung from a tree. So was Judas motivated by a deep sense of guilt for sending an innocent man to die, a friend who truly loved and cared for him? Perhaps. But before we catch ourselves examining Judas's heart or even claiming to know his place in the afterlife, let us not miss the main character in the story. The one whom Judas betrayed. The one who knew all along that Judas would turn against him and yet still offered forgiveness on the cross. Theologian Stanley Hauerwas writes, What Judas did is not beyond the forgiveness enacted in Jesus' crucifixion. Indeed, Judas's betrayal can be remembered because it is not and cannot be the last word about Judas's life or our own. The last word about Judas or us is not ours to determine because the last word has been said in the crucifixion. And so I ask once more, where do we go after betrayal? The answer, in my mind, is the cross. To open ourselves to love is also to open ourselves to betrayal. Jesus knew that full well, and yet still continued to love all the more, to forgive those who did not know what they were doing, including his betrayer, even while dying on a cross. On the cross, Jesus liberates us from destroying ourselves and our relationship with the Father. On the cross, Jesus proves that the healing and redemptive work of unbounded love and forgiveness are more powerful than hate, grudges, or deep-seated disdain. As Walter Wink says in his powerful book, Engaging the Powers on the Cross, Jesus reveals a way to fight evil with all our power without being transformed into the very evil we fight. It is a way in fact, the only way possible of not becoming what we hate. The body of Christ, then, must be defined by this type of sacrificial love, for we are called to it by Jesus himself. The world will know you by your love for one another, he says. As we continue walking toward the cross on Friday and eventually toward Easter morning where Christ has risen, may we be agents of light refusing treachery toward Christ even if there is earthly gain to be had. May we, as Christ did, choose to follow where the cross leads even if we endure betrayal from those closest to us. And may we fight injustice and evil with sacrificial love and mercy so as to dethrone the agents of darkness that seek to discredit the way of the cross. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue a podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash org. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.